0: Handed is a podcast of Tennessee Voices about mental health, featuring stories of people who have overcome mental health challenges, as well as those who have helped people overcome mental health challenges. This podcast is about authenticity, and it's intended to give a voice to those who are passionate about mental well-being. We hope that by sharing stories, listeners understand mental health and just how important it is in our day-to-day lives, and they will help us reduce stigma. We want you to know that so many who have struggled with mental health can and did overcome their challenges. And if you are struggling, you can too. I'm your host, Ricky Harris, CEO of Tennessee Voices, and with me is my favorite co-host, Will Voss, COO of Tennessee Voices. Welcome to our podcast, Let's Get Candid. Okay, so we're doing a podcast.
1: We are doing a podcast. It's happening.
0: We know not what we're doing, but we're doing a podcast. Um, so let's talk about why um, we, why we are here. <laughs> I I reached out to you one day, I don't remember, a couple of months ago and said, will you host a podcast with me? Um, I think for me, I really wanted to be able to connect with people authentically um, around the topic of mental health, which is why we're here, why we, why we work. <laughs> um, I wanted to give people a voice. There were people that I think needed to share stories that the world and all the millions of listeners that we have are going to hear. I think we needed to reduce stigma around mental health in some way. And so how could we use our influence, whatever influence we may have, to do that? And then I wanted to learn something from people. I want to know what I don't know. I want to hear stories that I've never heard before. And so I had this idea for a podcast called Candid, Can- us did um, and you said yes, so why'd you say yes
1: I, I said yes, you know I've been sitting here thinking of you know what 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 should I say, but I think it goes into why I said, yeah, this is a time where we're able to be vulnerable, we're able to connect with people and be ourselves be authentic that's mm-hmm. the the best way to reach people that's the only way people should be reached is when you show them who you really are um and it's something new. You you've known me long enough. I love new, I love something fun, adventurous, exciting. And I'm coming from a background of I'm not a big podcast listener. And yet I realize how big of a <clears throat> how big of a thing it is.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There are so many people we're going to be able to reach. Um, even if it's just a few, that's more than what we started out with. So that's great why not join you on a journey to continue doing what we do best? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I was, I wasn't a big podcast person until last year. I think I was kind of on a little bit of a interest into health related stuff, particularly for me, I was listening a lot to fitness and nutrition and naturopathic doctors. And every time I listened to their podcasts, all I could think about was the the mental health factor and everything they were talking about. And so I started searching mental health podcast and then I realized there's a place for us to talk here. There's a place for us. There's a community of people doing podcasts about mental health in a variety of different topics related to mental health and a variety of different people bringing themselves authentically to share their stories and their expertise. So, so exactly what you said, why, why not? Why, why would we not? So I think the thing that we need to probably do to start, start our podcast is just talk about, let our listeners know who we are and that our plan is to be co-hosts of this podcast and bring in more people to share themselves. So this will be the one time that we, we, really say why we're here. What is your why? Will, who are you? What do you do? What's your why?
1: So a little bit about my background. I I thought about, you know, where do I start? Um, Do I start with, I'm I'm only 30. I just hit that milestone. You know, how long have I been in the field? And I think for me, it, it starts with my background. You know, um, I'm quick to tell people, as far as who I am, I've lived all over. Born right outside of Memphis, I've moved and lived in St. Louis area, Indianapolis, uh, did my last two years of high school in Minnesota, and then I left to go to school back down south at Ole Miss. And for me, that's where it really starts. So I got my undergrad uh, from the University of Mississippi. A lot of people say Ole Miss down here, um, and I, I, I majored in psychology. After that, I took a break and I thought I wanted to really get into teaching. I thought that's where I was needed. And I was always drawn back to how am I helping people emotionally Mm -hmm. um, as far as their their cognitive abilities? How am I helping them think through processes? And uh, I decided to go back to school after I had gotten into the mental health field and uh, I graduated from Lipscomb in 2018 with my master's degree in clinical mental health counseling. I have been working at Tennessee Voices during that time. I've been here about a little over six years. And I realized, you know what? I, I'm in an agency where I'm able to make a difference. How do I want to do that? Mm-hmm. Having a faith-based background, growing up in the church and, and a, a true believer, um, I realized that I've been granted to be in a position where I've got options. Do I wanna go on and get licensed? Or do I wanna be able to make change at a different level? You know, in the social work field, we'll say macro level and and think of how do we advocate, you know, on different policies. Um, I've been told that maybe I should go on and get licensed. I'm not gonna say that that is off of the table. But I feel that my gift is being able to connect with people and try to figure out how do we write grants? How do we get more programs out there? And most importantly, how do we erase the stigma on mental health Mm -hmm. in the black community? It's not talked about. And as it is being talked about a little bit more than what it used to be, there's still a long way to go. Um, And even with having a faith based background, you know, there's still moments where you hear Hey, pray about it. Let's not talk about it. And I'm a firm believer that God puts people here on this earth to help. I believe you can pray about it and go see a therapist to help you as well. (laughs) I'm firm, firmly believing that. So my why is my background, um, how I was raised to treat people, how I was raised to help people, Um, thinking about everything that I have been through. You know, I think about the moves, living all over, it's allowed me to be able to never meet a stranger, as my parents would tell you. But it also calls for isolation at times. Mm -hmm. So it's how do you make new friends and and being scared and not knowing what to say and how to fit in? When we think about living in all those different states, it's culture changing across the board. (laughs) Um, and might add we live in the suburbs. So a lot of times I was definitely one of the very few minorities at the schools. So how do you really fit in as the new young black guy with a southern draw? In mm-hmm. your first <laughs> yeah, name. And draw, and no, in right? your first name on your birth, birth certificate is Willie. <laughs> I wanted to be able to make sure that everyone felt comfortable. And when you think about how someone's feeling, it goes into emotions. It goes into your mental state. And that's that's always been my why when it comes to providing therapy. You know, I, in school, I talked a lot about I love narrative therapy. How do we get someone to be able to tell their story through what they've been through and, and find these strong points of it and be able to really help them understand how those moments, those stories have defined and shaped who they are? And there is silver lining in a lot of it. But also when managing staff, who are they? Learning their backgrounds and being able to support them on a whole different level. So I'll say my why has always been forever changing. But the core of it is what you hear a lot of people say. I want to help people. And you really have to dive deep into that and say it's more than just helping people. How are you doing it and why are you doing it? Mm-hmm. and i'm I'm doing it because I want to be a part of the change. I want to be able to say that you know mental health it's real um, and it affects us all. It affects us all whether we've experienced it and whether it's been direct or indirect. And a lot of times those experiences that we've gone through we've we've missed signs and symptoms of our own mental health concerns. And trying to help others. So how do I help others learn to take care of themselves? And I realize it starts with me. I have to show it rather than just saying it. So long why, but
0: yes. And fast. you said it's changing, but it sounds like it's just adding to.
1: Adding to. Uh, that's constantly. that's
0: yeah. Cause your your why was one thing in the beginning and it's just layered and layered and layered. Even I mean, I have the advantage of knowing you for the last 7 years or so um and hey, time is flying eight,
1: it's been eight, I don't know, eight. <laughs> yeah. uh, feels
0: like feels like a long time mm-hmm. but just seeing you add to your why as your life has changed in the 8 years um and how maybe at times the reality of your why came more into view over the course of your life events in the last few years. So it's really cool to see somebody just keep building their why the way that the way that you have. Um, and you, you brought up faith. And so I'll bring that up too. I mean, obviously, I share faith with you. I'm a Christian. And um, when we have that in common, but seeing how that has played into your choice to go into this field, would you say that for you, this is this is a ministry?
1: You know what I would, I would say that um, I bring faith into the room, especially when thinking of you know when I used to provide therapy. I bring it into the room when the conversation is open about it, and clients want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And then I also have a way of doing it to the point where people are understanding I'm not pushing it. But I do want you to understand that this is a part of who I am. I'm a firm believer. Uh, A lot of people will hear me say I will quote Romans 8 and 28 often, very often, that all things work together. And I try to help those who are non-believers understand that well, there's a bright side of things. If you don't want to follow this particular scripture and, and there's a uh, fear or there's a lot of anger towards uh, faith and you know faith-based organizations and, and people who have faith-based backgrounds, then understand it from a different lens. That things will work out if we can just try to be more optimistic and understand that there are going to be some rough times. It doesn't mean that all times will be rough. Mm-hmm. So it's a ministry. Yes. I, this is the first time it's ever been asked, but I would say yes. Yes.
0: Yeah. We're just going to ride this twist and turn. Ride it. It um, that's my thinking word because I have, four questions i want to ask you all at one time right now <laughs> and i'm choosing which one something that we do well at tennessee voices and i've seen you do really well in helping me with the uh, by chairing the cultural diversity and inclusion committee is accepting people exactly as they are where they are what they are while you and i ha- we we share our faith as christians we appreciate and open to and understand our staff who may not be correct and build relationships with them just the same because what we ask of them is exactly what they ask of us and that is to be authentic be who you are and it is okay to bring all those things to the table whatever it is whether it's your faith your culture your your interest your why it's okay that they're different, and that that's been a really cool experience working with you in the last year. So, talk a little bit about taking on the CDI committee in a year of what seemed like for me, and I'm forty. You're welcome. Forty. Oh. It seemed like in my lifetime of forty years. I've never experienced such angst, injustice, fear, concern, um, activism. I've never seen as much as I did in 2020. I don't know if that's true for all of us, but it's true true for me as a (laughs) 40-year-old. What was it like for you taking that on? During all that time, because you and I had a lot of hard conversations during that time, hard because, I mean, it was emotional sometimes just what you were going through.
1: That was, you know, we're we're getting deep today. I see where you're going. That was, you know, that was a difficult time. That was a difficult time. Um, A lot played into that because. It was, um, it was a feeling of being tired of what you're seeing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, Ricky, you, you've heard, you know, from staff, from, you know, people we know in the community, you know, friends of mine, it, it is, um, you don't talk about that type of stuff at work.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If you've dealt with well, right you felt reasons. that
0: way, right? Oh,
1: you, yes, I mean, you, you were that way. Yep. I did. I did. I, I felt that way. And it's a, it's a upbringing, you know, there's so much fear. And I even thought about it in, in watching a, a recent, recent show that I saw on how it's a uh, generations of teaching on how you should respond to what's going on when it comes to racism and, and hatred and violence that, you know, many people who were housekeepers, um, many people that were slaves if you came to work talking about what was going on, it was uh you're fired, you're done or you got something to do with that. And that's causing problems and that's against what we believe. Mm-hmm. And in that moment where we were able to talk, um, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I'll tell you today, I, I definitely I teared up after we got off the phone mm-hmm. because you came to me in a what can we do to help? I was still fearful in should I even speak out on this um, at being you know at a director level yeah at a director level at that time mm-hmm. you know I'm in a high position and I don't want to ruin that but yet I know that many staff um, many many my, many of our minority staff they look up to me you mm-hmm. know not just because of you know who I am but wow this guy's made it. He's making a difference, um, and he looks like us. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. probably can do that one day, mm-hmm. and I can tell kids in my community that I'm dealing with that. You know what? Have you ever thought about maybe you could be a director at a nonprofit or a organization chief. or a chief? Now, yes, <laughs> or a chief. So it was a it was heavy. It was heavy trying to figure out how do I say the right thing, and. I did exactly as we're doing today. I I prayed about it as always. That's something my, my father told me. And he used to say before he would get up and do presentations, Lord, let the words of my mouth be acceptable in that sight. And I do it a lot of times before I present or go into meetings still to this day. Um, people don't know it, but I'm telling you, it's it's bigger than me. Uh, mm-hmm. It's bigger than all of us. Mm-hmm. And I said those words and I I spoke from my heart. I didn't write anything down. Of course, I had wrote a letter specifically to staff. But before we talked that day um, during our all staff meeting, I just spoke from my heart.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: The fear that people had, you know, we'll be careful going out there protesting. Um, My mother saying, be careful. And it was so much surrounded around. I need you to come home
2: Mm.
1: because what's going on just may happen to you. Mm. And how do I explain that to my nephew? You all will hear me talk a lot about Dan, the man. Dan um, the man. Yes, yes, yes. Um, he's, he's he's seven now, or 10 now, sorry. He's 10 now. And I didn't know how to tell him that people will treat you wrong just because of the color of your skin, no matter how nice you are to them. Mm. But what I did tell him is that you get a chance to treat people the way you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. You keep doing the right thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The fact that we still have to have that conversation in twenty twenty one, it's scary. But as I tell people, I feel good because we're better than where we were just last year in twenty twenty. Mm. We're slowly growing, and as I talked to staff, you know, recently, so in the in the weekend wish I sent out to them is small wins are big wins
2: mm-hmm. because
1: every win is a big win, right? So while it was heavy, it was necessary and it, it helped me understand that you continue to use your platform for good.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I learned. Well, I, I think our whole since we've known each other, which was before Tennessee Voices, mm-hmm. um, I've learned a lot from you. And, and I think I've had opportunities to learn and see things that I might not have been able to see if you weren't the person you are, which I'm, what I mean by that is just an open, authentic person, but a person with a lot of love in their heart, which I think we'll probably talk about some of the things that we share in common with that, that has built our culture at our agency later. We'll talk about that. But, but I think because of that, you know, all the stuff you talked about in your why builds up to everything that happened last year and your openness to sort of help walk our agency through as a leader a really difficult time when I felt as the CEO, we have to take care of our people. And right now, we have to take care of our people of color because I know they are hurting. I know that what's going on right now has to be affecting them. And I don't want them to come to work and have to pretend that it's not or that everything's okay. Or I, the worst thing to me would be knowing that they came to work and had any amount of fear based on the color of their skin. Yeah. That, would, that, would, that would just crush me. So I think moving forward with our plans with the CDI committee and having your leadership was I wouldn't have been able to do it, obviously, without you. Um, the one thing that stands out to me that I remember in, in our conversation, uh, many conversations, but one in particular, the, the last conversation we had, when I said, you know, are you willing to do to speak up and and to lead our agency as the chair of our CDI committee? Are you willing to lead us through this? And and you were you were there, you were willing, you had addressed all your fears and concerns that you shared before. We had talked through those. And I remember that day saying, I've known you for so long and I know a lot about you, but I really saw who you were that day. I really saw the authenticity of, I love people and I want everybody to feel comfortable, but I personally need to stand up right now. I need to speak up right now. I need to be able to use my voice and my platform. And it was just amazing to kind of see how that developed. What do you think it's, how do you think it's impacted Tennessee voices?
1: Uh, I I literally just got chills over my body as you were talking. um, Because I remember that conversation and do you, you you don't even know how many folks were scared for me mm. as I told them And I was going to be talking to all of our staff. Mm. Um, I had family members calling and saying, "Be careful, don't say too much." Wow! Um, I had friends saying, "You know what? We prayed for you, and it, it's going to be okay." Um, mm. Even community partners reached out saying. That's big. Um, That's a big step. Mm. Uh, A lot of my friends would talk about how their agencies sent out an email and they were done. Um, It was the elephant in the room. How do we really address this thing? Um, I feel that we, again, are in a place where we're able to lead. Um, I've said earlier, it's bigger than me. And Our staff see that we, as an agency, are going to do what we need to do to make sure that we are being culturally and linguistically competent. It's forever. um, It's something that we always need to make sure that we're continuing to enhance. Not that it's there, but we have to make sure that we're increasing our knowledge and understanding of what's going on um, and understanding backgrounds and cultures and how that plays into somebody's why, and how it plays into, you know, how someone works and connects with others. Mm -hmm. Um, We serve a lot of people who do not look like us. And if we're not understanding different cultures and different backgrounds, how do we best know how to serve them? So I feel that we're at a place now where staff are, they're excited that we have the committee, Uh, more and more joining, especially as we're getting new staff on board, they're saying, wow, we didn't even know this existed. You know, yes, we'll be glad to join. Um, Keep us updated on how how things go. You know, what do we need to do? What can we do to help? Um, I'll say we, not I, but we're giving them an opportunity to talk freely
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and be a part of the change that they want to see and that we all need. To see,
0: yeah. Well, I said that day on the phone. The real will just she stood it. up. You the definitely. The real is. will just stood up. It was so cool to see that develop. It wasn't because it wasn't already there. It was just because you used it for so much good, and I know this is a hard topic coming up on our very first podcast so let's just start it off you let's know like start that. it off good but what i really want to accomplish is that whomever comes on this podcast is able to share themselves authentically and we we want to hear that story we want we want to know that story do i fully understand that there are people who may not understand the topics that we're going to discuss absolutely But I hope that people who decide to listen to the podcast are people who just want to hear and learn what others are thinking, what others are feeling, what others are experiencing out of love, out of love for humankind, out of love for, I want the world to be a better place. What does it look like for somebody else? Not just me. So I, I, I appreciate where you're. Where you're going in your leadership, I am so grateful to have you on my team now as the chief operating officer, sir. <laughs> and I uh, appreciate cool it.
1: coup is what I like to say. The
0: coup, it's the cool. coup. <laughs> uh-huh. No, there's no L on the end. Um, but I appreciate you being willing to host this podcast with me, and um, and really, we're on no script here. We're literally here to explore stories and explore what's going on with people out there and learn something from somebody. Hopefully yep. every time we have this little meeting together. <laughs> That's
1: the goal. That is the goal. And I'm hopeful that we will do it. Um, this is, this is going to be an exciting adventure. Mm-hmm. And I truly feel we're going to we're reach a great number of people who are willing to share who they are how those experiences have shaped their why and really understand what can we do as a a collective. You know, no one person can do it on their own. So yes, I'm glad to be joining you on this journey and other other leaders that, that join this podcast and share their stories with us. They're going to be part of the change. They're going to be part of the progression to just move forward for the better.
0: Well, there you have it. The real Will Voss, everybody.
2: We'll be right back after this short break. TN Voices is now hiring qualified applicants to fill positions all across the state. You can be part of a growing team that puts the mental health of Tennesseans first and thrive in a compassionate work environment. To apply to join our team, log on to TNVoices.org employment. September is Suicide Prevention Month, and there are things each of us can do to help prevent suicide. Every year at this time, Lifeline and other mental health organizations and individuals across the U.S. and around the world raise awareness of suicide prevention. If you are having suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-8255 and head to tnvoices.org for mental health resources, including our newly renovated online library. You can be the one to prevent suicide this month and all year long by gaining the tools and knowledge you need to foster better mental health for yourself and those around you. Welcome
1: back. So, Ricky, we, we've talked a lot about my why, and you, you made me realize that I say it's, it's forever changing, and you have me look at it from a different lens, that it's forever growing. It's something that's being added to it. What would you say your why is? Why, why do you do what you do? We've talked about why you started this, but you're at a level now. You've been here 10 years. Why? Why do you do it? I-
0: why? <laughs> why? Well, if you know, you keep adding to the why, and you're somewhere for ten years, and you've got forty years of life experience. Wait, how much time do you have, Will? Um, <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: um, you know, I can, I've I've learned to be very concise with my why. My why is my family of origin. Mm-hmm. So my oldest brother. Uh, is kind of where the story started in my mind. But it really started before that with my grandfather. My grandfather completed suicide when I was seven. Mm. Didn't really understand it. Didn't really know that's even what happened till I was older. So it really didn't start there for me, even though chronologically that's where it began. It was really after my... Big brother was diagnosed uh, with bipolar disorder. And he, I, I remember being really young, probably eight, maybe younger. I knew there was a lot going on with him. I knew that he was actually preparing to leave for boot camp for the Army. And One night he left the house and didn't see him for a while after that. And I was a kid, so, you know, I don't know how long exactly, but it seemed like a long time. I thought maybe it was something to do with his training. My parents, not that it was wrong, but didn't say a lot to me as a young child about what was going on. So it left this little mind to wonder, (laughs) And that mind wondered about a lot of things. Like, does he not like us? Does he not even want to be here? Why would he just leave without saying bye? It it didn't make sense to me. So I spent a lot of my childhood with curiosity about mental health. Curiosity about behavior. Um, Later, I was informed that he was struggling with mental health issues and that, um, that there had been some really hard times for my parents in that. And they were trying to protect me, I think from, from things, but looking back now and having, you know, chosen to go on this field mainly because of my curiosity, I realized it would have helped me a lot to have somebody come into my home and talk to me about what was going on. Even even as young as I was, and again, I don't think my parents did anything wrong by not you know talking to us I think they didn't know what they didn't know. I think there could have been a lot more um, shared with them there could have been a there could have been treatment options that weren't accessible to us We lived in a rural area of Arkansas and there was Not a lot of talk about mental health treatment in that area. And at that time, I mean, we're talking the eighties, man, eighties will. So that was my why I, my why came to fruition one day when we were sitting at the dinner table with my family. And my dad said, I, I think I was probably 15, 14, my dad said "Ricky you're really smart are you going to be a doctor or a lawyer?" and i said i was thinking about mental health <laughs> and i know his mom was like "what?
1: what? <laughs> what?"
0: but he was as he always was so supportive and okay okay if that's what makes you happy and that's what you want to do and that's what i wanted to do so you know much like you psychology for the bachelor's degree uh then on to grad school master's in marriage and family therapy double masters so i had a second in christian education i went to a a southwestern baptist theological seminary so they had a counseling program and they had two separate programs they had the counseling program and then the pastoral counseling program so really based on two different approaches to helping people,
2: mm-hmm.
0: their program was built on scientific knowledge of, you know, theories and psychology, study of behavior, everything that you know, anyone would learn. At any, it was an accredited program. So, but I, it very much was taught in the realm of my worldview as a Christian so I felt like I got a really unique opportunity to kind of blend my, my worldview and my faith with my passion for understanding psychology, mental health, human behavior. And of course, it wasn't too long down the road then I had my first child uh, and I had postpartum. Actually, it was my second good night. I am like trying. <laughs> I this is the part where you realize you are aging. Like which, now, which kid was it that had colic?
1: Hey, You're 40 years young. We'll put it like that.
0: <laughs> well, anywho, uh, it was my second. My first child actually ended up. Um, we had a lot of concern with how she couldn't handle transitions in preschool and It was kind of her anxiety was realized when she started kindergarten and had a really hard time. And so we that was the first time we were really like, wow, we are parents and we know all about mental health. My husband's also in the field, but we have to step back and be parents and, and get some some professional help on how to help her. So we really helped her and got to work through a therapeutic process and her transitions and her anxiety around transitions, which is, you know, not fun for her to go through, but a great experience for us as parents to just be in the parent role, and support our child and and, you know, God has a way of putting you in situations to help you see what it is your parents went through, what it is the parents that you work for, and in, in, in your you know in Tennessee Voices what they go through. And then after, uh, Aaliyah then had my second daughter, Reese, who I then had postpartum uh, with her after she was born. And that was, that was quite an experience too. So the why just keeps on building.
1: Keeps on building.
0: I know my why, this is why I do it. But then, you know, every life experience you go through just adds a little bit more affirmation to your choice to be in this field. And gives you that flavor that you can sprinkle all over the work you do that makes it even richer because you can, you can see, you understand, you lived it, you experienced it, been there in some, yes. in some circumstances. So yes,
1: yes, that's true. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I look at it as a, a blessing that we're sitting here and we're able to share with others, you know, why we do what we do, why we love it, and what, what it means to us. You know, I ask you this question for folks that are listening and, they don't know where to begin or know how to explain their why. Mm-hmm. What What would you tell them on how to go about doing that?
0: You know, walk back to the first time you ever had that curiosity about this field, whatever it is, whether it's an experience, whether it's a thought, whether it's a friend who went through something or I I know someone who said I was always the person that my friends in high school went to for advice. And it was, it was like, why do they trust me? Why do they come to me? It's it, is it just that I give great advice? No, it's that you have a care and concern and a spirit of just, I want to help people. And that's something you explained earlier. Like you had that desire and, you know, walk back to that for those first memories, those first opportunities and what drew you here. And then it's not like, let the why be about you. If anything else, you know, we, we don't like that in this field. We're altruistic people. We are very much here for others. We like to make it about others, but the why should be about you and nobody else, but you.
1: I think you probably just help somebody understand their why and find it.
0: Maybe so. Maybe so. I definitely know that those little moments stand out when I think about how much passion I have for this field. And I've done work and I think everybody should do their own work in therapy, whether you do that in your program for your master's degree or you do that later in life. But I've certainly done some work around This and an early memory that I had was being a young child, and my parents were out late at night walking around the house praying. And that was unusual. Not that they would pray, but that they would be outside in the dark, walking around the house, praying out loud together was a little different. And I remember asking my older sister, like, what is going on? We were supposed to be in our bed asleep, right? We were we were not supposed to know this was happening. And my older, sister; she's, she's a lot older than me. So she's at the time she was probably 16 or so. And I was more like eight. And she said, our brother had called home. He had been gone for a while and nobody knew where he was. And he had called home and said, he was coming home and he was going to hurt us. And they were praying, you know, for protection and praying for him and, and all that. And I remember th- that's not the, point, the part of the story that, that makes the most impact on me is I remember knowing, feeling like he would never hurt us. He would never do that. So it was almost like as a young child, I was like, something is not OK. Something has happened to him to make him say that because that's not who he is. And I think that moment comes back and resonates with me so many times when I work with or get to be around the families of people we work with and recognize that there may be things that they have done, but that's not who they are. And, And something is, you know, causing them to struggle and their behavior is different, but it's not who they are at their core. So that's a moment I think for me and my why that always sits with me know who people really are yes maybe there'll be the right future podcast there's there's a lot to unpack there that I think we could dive into a lot of different factors that that you and I've talked about that are really cool about our intersection but I think the thing to wrap up on would be this I you know developing past getting into the field and my why and all that kind of stuff, and now being a CEO and having responsibility of leading people, my favorite part about leadership has been the role of creating and mentoring more leaders. And I say it all the time in the organization, I know you hear it, good leaders create more leaders. And I think that's something that I noticed in you as a preschool teacher, as, you know, this, this guy's. he has potential to be a great leader because he's willing to have hard conversations. He's willing to have strong communication, which is not always easy, especially when you're dealing with kids' behavior in preschool <laughs> and parents who love their babies a lot and think they're perfect. Um, but not only that, just you always had a plan for the kids. You always had, you were always dressed for success. And I don't mean that you have to have the nicest clothes to be a leader. I mean, that's not what I mean, but you showed up as if this was an important job to you. You cared about it and you were presenting the best way possible. And I think that is something I love so much about being a CEO is helping the leaders who already have the potential inside of them to just find that path and get on that leadership path and really blossom. And so that that's the other part I think of me that is, I did a passion I had to discover later on. Obviously, my passion is mental health, but I was so excited to work and mentor people who want to be leaders, and it wasn't because I thought I had some. Incredible wisdom to impart to them, but it was because I wanted them to succeed because I could see it in them, and I would. All I wanted was, man, let's let's help you find your way into leadership because it's so much fun. I love it. It's it's the best, and I wouldn't trade it for anything.
1: You, <clears throat> it's definitely awesome. And you you've got to realize that the way that makes someone feels, uh, the, the way it made me feel. Um, you're seeing something in people that they don't even may not even know is there. Mm -hmm. And to be able to take the time and say, you know what, let's try to get, let's get through this together because you've got way more potential out there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I'll I'll, I'll
1: ask you this. You asked me earlier, do you feel that this is your ministry?
0: Well, uh, as you said, the words chills just went all the way through my body. Yes, yes, because I do think in my worldview, we all have a purpose, we all can serve the world in some way, and we all have a choice to make in doing that with integrity and with people in mind and this is this is definitely it for me i um, I, I know that I would not be where I am today without the grace of the Lord because I I, on my own, don't have all the answers. I, I can't tell you sometimes how some things have just worked out. It makes no sense to me. I couldn't, on my best days, plan it all. But it does. It works out. And it and it, it, it's just this beautiful thing to know that you are living your purpose. And you are lifting people up, building people up. And doing what, you know, God has called you to do. And that's just love people,
2: just love people.
0: And I, and, and it is a joy to do it every day. So It's pretty fun.
1: Yes. It's bigger than <laughs> us, bigger than us.
0: Always, always.
1: As we prepare on this journey. For a podcast. Um, we, we're telling people our why. We're explaining why it's important to have a why. Mm-hmm. What are your hopes? What's your hope for this podcast? We say we 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 hope to reach a million, but if we reach a million people, what's our hope for them?
0: I love that question because that question started this podcast. <laughs> And the question was a little bit different because it wasn't what do you hope for the podcast, but it was like, what do you want? What do you want to get at? What are you trying to accomplish? And I had that conversation with my leadership coach. And by the way, everyone in leadership, no matter how long you've been at it, should use leadership coach at some point. Yes, you don't yes, have to keep yes. it all the time, but you know couple times a year or what, however you feel best because they can challenge your thinking and, and keep you from settling in, keep you on the innovation, on the what am I doing, on the what's next and how can I help move things forward. But anyway, we were talking through this and the word influence came up. And it was something you and I talked to the directors in our organization about last week about your title holds a certain amount of information about you, whether you speak or don't. If you say, I'm Ricky Harris, I'm the CEO, there's media information and someone takes that information and decides how they're going to behave around you, what's acceptable to say in front of you, how they want to to feel about you because they have past experiences with CEOs that are good and bad. So influence was a word that kind of kept coming up in our, in my leadership meetings with my coach. And I think for me, it was, if I know that I've, it took me a while to accept that I had influence at first, it felt like how much difference do the words I say really make, but the impact of the words really start to be clear the minute you become a leader. <laughs> Something's going to happen where you're going to be like, oh no, why are they so scared of me? Why won't they sit by me at the table? Not that that ever happened to you, Will.
1: Oh no, um, not just if so people would sit down, but no.
0: <laughs> and, it, and it's because of your title. And so I remember there was, um, there was a couple of things that happened where people said something like they wanted to they wanted to be like me in some way. They named a way. And, I, and my thought was, I have to figure out how I want to use this influence. Because whether I want to accept it or not, I have it. How am I going to use it? And then it really started resonating with me. The, the voice that I have, I have open doors just because of my title. I get to walk through those doors or walk into meetings or be present or make my voice heard because I have a title. What am I going to do with that? I'll bring everything I can to the table. I'll be the voice of the people. But the other thing I can do is allow people to come in behind me, keep the door open for the people that work for the organization, who are served by the organization. How do I allow their voice to be heard? where those doors are that are open to me. And that's where the podcast came in. I was like, we have to hear from people. Yeah. We have to hear from people. So it really all came back to how am I going to use what influence I have for better, for better. And for, better for me is other people succeeding, other people being heard, other people learning from other people and and building bridges where bridges may not have been built before for a good thing so that's the hope we'll see
1: it's gonna happen be hopeful
0: yep yep i am
1: and that was me i think i was one of those people that said uh i would love you're a go-getter that's what i'm trying to follow in you yeah think how you have grown this agency since you first started you have put a lot of work that we don't even know about, I know, into supporting and making sure that we're growing and that services are out there for folks. Mm-hmm. That means a lot.
0: I, so, and I, so. lo- I love every minute of it. I enjoy it. And I'll say this before we wrap up. I used to hear people say, oh, they're riding your coattails or, oh, you're trying to ride their coattails or whatever as if it were a negative thing. Like people are just going to get close to you so they can ride your coattail, whatever. If I have a coattail, I'm about to see how many people I can fit up on it because that to me is what it's all about. I will not be here forever. I will not be here forever. So how am I ensuring that for the sake of this organization, there's good leadership when I'm gone and there are people who know the work and feel confident in the work. And let's just see how many people we can get to ride on this coattail that I've been afforded. So there you go.
1: In my mind, I'm thinking of like this long train from a yeah. wedding dress. I'm like, you know, just keep it growing, Ricky. Make it a veil, promise.
0: a wedding dress, whatever you want it to be. <laughs> yeah, I
1: think at this point in time, you've got about 85 staff that I think we're going to be riding this coattail.
0: That's, that's right. Bring it on. We want everybody on the bus. Let's go. <laughs> I love it. I love it.
1: Oh, awesome. Well, I know we've talked about a while. I think we may be wrapping up.
0: I think so. I look forward to uh, our guests in the near future.
1: Oh, I'm so excited. Get ready, y'all. We wanted to do it. We can do it. We, we can did. We're going to do it.
0: <laughs> so that's our next that's our next goal right there is to find that that final phrase about Candid to end all of our podcasts. Figure it so, out. Well, it'll come to us just like the name did in the middle of the night. It'll come. Can and did.
1: Can yeah, and this did.
0: This podcast is done.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Rick.
2: <laughs> yep. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed today's program, like, subscribe, and review this podcast. If you or someone you know is in need of mental health support services, log on to tnvoices.org or call 1-800-670-9882. Join us next time as we Get Candid.